Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Go ahead and turn with me to Genesis, obviously. That's where we've been working for several weeks, and uh, we skipped around a little bit yesterday and went into Job. Difficult sermon, difficult topic, but I've, I just pray that, that God put that seed in your heart if you're not going through suffering now, and if you are, that God brought comfort and peace to your heart. Um, but uh, yeah, the example of Job is just really powerful. Today we're going to talk about Abram or Abraham, and God makes a promise. I want to put a few names up on the, on the screen here, and I just want to showcase a couple of people. People who are in every way were actually ordinary, but God did extraordinary things through them. All right? Maybe they don't know it, but God did. Uh, you look at Albert Einstein here, considered a genius, maybe not quite in his time, but definitely one of the most influential scientists of all time. I say maybe not in his time because he was actually expelled from school and rejected admittance to polytechnic school. And uh, he couldn't even speak fluently until he was nine years old, and that's because he was learning German, right? Uh, (laughs) Hard language for English speakers to learn, but I'm sure it was a little easier for him, but still didn't speak fluently until he was nine years old. But he became one of the greatest scientists the world has ever seen, and he won the Nobel Prize. And then we have Emily Dickinson, the quintessential struggling writer. During her lifetime, she penned over 1,800 letters and poems, but less than 12 were published. Surely this would be a writer who would just drift into obscurity, but today Emily Dickinson is one of the most favorite and beloved writers in the literary world. At age 22, Walt Disney was fired from the newspaper where he worked for not being creative enough. And then he went out to start his own business, and he failed miserably, going bankrupt. Few, if anyone, would have expected Walt Disney to achieve the level of success he has, let alone winning 32 Academy Awards. And lastly, we have a baseball player, Tony Gwynn, considered to be extremely average in the hitting arena. He's always a big guy. And scouts thought he'd just be average and that he would have to shift to the infield and use his glove to earn a spot on a pro roster. However, Tony Gwynn led the league in batting titles for for eight seasons. He won five gold gloves in the outfield and was selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on his first um, year of eligibility. Tony Gwynn also batted over 300 his entire career, one of the only batters in baseball to ever do that, 300 over his entire career. Also played for the San Diego Padres his entire career, which we don't see in pro sports anymore. Unfortunately, he loved to chew tobacco, and he got salivary gland cancer and died at 52. It's too bad. But nobody expected anything of Tony Gwynn. Nobody expected anything of Walt Disney, Albert Einstein, or Emily Dickinson. It's only now that we look back at their absolute greatness. And we just, I just love these stories. I really got into the Gwyn stories, you can tell, right? Because I just love baseball too. But we, we love underdogs. 
There's something that draws us to stories of ordinary people accomplishing extraordinary things. They defy all expectations and succeed. As we were going around our growth group this last week and people were sharing their stories of suffering, I saw people who in every way probably should have failed. The deck was stacked against them in their youth. But they've become great people. Great people and have accomplished great things and have overcome adversity. I just love those stories. That's why I love hearing testimonies of fellow Christians because it's awesome to hear what God has done in ordinary people to do extraordinary things. This week, we're going to see that God works in ways that are different than ours and that he is wise, and he knows the best possible way to bring his plans to pass. And often, his ways don't coincide with our ways. Greatness is not about what we can do in ourselves, but a matter of faith and obedience to the call of God in our lives. Of course, I have three dynamite points for you today, okay? The first one is God's covenant with Abraham. What was God's covenant with Abraham? We see from the Garden of Eden, God promised in Genesis 3:15 to send an answer to sin. Right? We saw that when we studied Adam and Eve. But generation after generation had come and gone with no indication of that, promises, that promise being fulfilled until the Lord spoke to Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord speaks to him and he says this, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In these verses, we see the Abrahamic, the Abrahamic covenant, an everlasting covenant that, that God made with Abram, who we believe at the time probably worshipped pagan gods. There was no indication Abram worshipped the God of creation, right? But here he is making a covenant with Abram. And it just illustrates that God is continually reaching for us. God is continually seeking us, even if we're not worshiping him. And I'm so thankful for that. I would not be saved today, neither would any of us, if God had stopped reaching out to us, right? But God called Abram to take a great step of faith, He called Abram to leave three things, his country, his kindred, and his father's house. Now, some of us can relate to leaving our kindred, leaving our, what we know, what's familiar behind, right? But we don't leave our nationality behind when we come to serve in Germany, right? Or when you left to serve or work in Australia, you didn't leave the fact that you were a German behind, Right? We don't leave our nationality behind, but here Abram is called to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. Now, we've become a much more mobile society. You know, and just to, tomorrow, actually, I'll be flying to Spain. That's going to take two hours. I'm so glad I don't have to walk there or ride a camel. That does not look comfortable. You know, people, have you ever ridden a horse? How many of you love horseback riding? You're crazy. Okay, you are crazy. I've done this one time, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to ride a horse. It's going to be great. 
I found it to be the most miserable experience of my life. My butt hurt for about four days. I couldn't walk. I was all bow-legged for like four days. And I wasn't even doing a trot, right? This was nose-to-rear horse-following thing. And I, I just I couldn't stand it. A camel's got to be way worse. They spit. We went to a camel farm. There's one over here in Dettenhausen. This way, near Dettenhausen, there's a camel farm. And they were giving little kids rides, and this camel didn't want to get up. And let me tell you something, there is nothing a human being can do to get a camel up that does not want to get up. And so God forbid he stops in the middle of the desert and just, I'm done, you know, I'm done for today. Uh, I'm so glad that's not, so he leaves his country and he's going to a land that he doesn't even know where. That would freak most of us out, right? We have no idea where God's leading, he's just saying go. How many of you would say drop everything and leave and go? Not, probably not too many of us. And then he leaves his family, his father's house. If Abraham obeyed and stepped out in faith, God would do three things for him. See, there's three things God's asking from him, but there's three things God's going to do for him. Number one, he's going to make him into a great nation. He's going to make his name great, and he's going to bless him and make him a blessing to the world. God's inviting Abraham to leave what he had for what God promised to do for him in the future. Church, listen to that one more time. God was inviting Abram to leave what he, had, what he had for what God was promising to do in the future. God often does this. Asks us to leave behind what we know that we could take hold of the promise that we have in him. God's covenant with Abram was unilateral. We don't like unilateral agreements. At least politicians don't, right? Or news agencies don't. We hear about it all the time. Trump making a unilateral agreement with somebody, and everybody's, oh, why is he doing that? You know, we need to, you know. But here's a unilateral thing, right? And here's what's awesome about God in unilateral agreements. He has the power, he has the wealth, and he has the ability to do it, right? He can do it. And so when he makes a unilateral agreement with Abram, he is going to be the one who accomplishes all of this on behalf of Abram. Abram's not going to do anything. It's just he's just going to be there to receive it. If he would only trust him and take a, a faithful step of obedience to go where God is leading him. The covenant solely depends on God and was without condition. God was going to accomplish it. It was God's project, not Abram's. This is a really important note uh, on this text. God was determined to bless Abram through a covenant relationship. And Abram's going to benefit from it. But he wasn't, it wasn't going to stop with Abram. Abram was called to be a conduit of blessing, not its final recipient. God was going to bless him, and in turn, Abram would bless the whole world. Church, listen, today we are blessed in Jesus Christ to be a blessing to the world. It does not end with us. And this is where the modern contemporary church has really got it twisted. We get saved, we become born-again Christians, and then we just occupy a pew in the church for the rest of our Christian lives. This was never God's intent. We are blessed to be a blessing. Period. Now, I'm just like you, right? When God gives me a financial blessing or a raise, I want to go out and get a Ranger bass boat. That's what I want to do. Seriously, I... That's what I want, right? I admit, one thing about, I love living in Germany. I love the people. I love the country. But one thing I miss more than anything is fishing. I miss fishing. And uh, yeah, 
if I could get a Ranger bass boat over here in Germany, dude, that would be so sweet, right? Because I see all these great lakes, and there's like nobody fishing in them, and maybe there's no fish, I don't know, but uh, I just miss that. And when, when God blesses us, our hearts turn exactly to right, how, oh man, now I can do this, or I can do that. But as Christians, we need to understand that we're not, we're blessed to be a blessing. We've received salvation, and we are to be his, now his ambassadors, carrying the gospel to the world. And for the world, a lot of you, what that means is your cubicle, your social circle, your bowling team, right? Your craft group. That's, that's what it means. That's your immediate world. And then we reach further through finances and prayer. We reach out to the rest of the world. And some of you, God may call to the mission field. Don't ever think that won't happen, right? Don't block it out. Open yourself up to that idea that God may have a calling on your life to go to one of the hard places of the world or maybe one of the easy places. That's what God called me to, right? God called me, Hamid and Corey come, missionaries to Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, really, seriously, praising him every day. Because we can only be faithful to where we're called. And I know for a fact God has called and placed me here, just as I know God has called and placed Hamid and Corey where they are. There's no doubt in that. But if we would just be faithful to follow God and put, a, put, put down instant gratification for a future reward, we'll be a blessed, blessed people following Abraham in that. So God's covenant was of trust. It's God's covenant of trust, point number two. Read with me in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer. I don't know. It sounds, I hate to say Eliezer, but that's what I got. Of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. I want to talk about a couple things in this text before we move on. Number one, it was a really bad day for Eliezer. Really bad day. Abram was 75 years old, maybe a little bit older when this vision comes. This guy's been serving in Abram's household for a long, long time. You don't think an 80-year-old guy is going to have a baby, right? Actually, it was I think it was 99 before he had the baby, right? And you're thinking, man, my lot in life is about to change. And I'm weird, right? I see this in Scripture. Uh, A lot of us just pass this by, but I'm thinking about this dude, right? It that was a really bad day for him. You know, because he was about to come into everything Abram had, and he had considerable wealth, but now God shows up and makes a promise. I don't think this guy was too happy with God that day. You know, that's one thing. Uh, The second thing is, we see a pattern here that faith follows righteousness, right? Abram, just like Job, was not righteous in himself. He put his faith and his trust in God, and then righteousness is extended to him. 
right? It's the same with our relationship with Jesus. We put our, relation, our, our faith and trust in Jesus, and in that great exchange where we trust Jesus with our lives, he wipes out our sin through his sacrifice on the cross, and he gives us his righteousness, right? Faith comes first, then righteousness. That's an important pattern that we'll see through the entire scripture, Abram didn't quite trust in it, and Sarah surely didn't. She laughed at this promise. We didn't really cover this in our text, but she kind of chuckled at this promise of having an heir. In my old age, she says, am I going to have a baby, right? Can you, women, can you imagine that? Ninety-some years old, having a baby? Of course, she lived to be much older, right? But still, you know, 40 years old is pretty old to be having a baby today, let alone 80. I could definitely see the promise not being something that she was excited about. So Abram, you know, he's, he's questioning God, and he's like, God, what are you going to do for me? Seriously, all I've wanted was an heir. All I want is a son, and for years, nothing's happened. And sometimes, church, we mistake God's apparent inactivity for his inability, and that's what Abram had done. God's apparent inactivity, and I say apparent, and I put it in air quotes, bing, bing. I put that in air quotes for one reason, because God is not inactive, period. He is not inactive. However, as we've discussed many, many times, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than ours, and he's apparent inactivity just means things aren't going exactly our way in that moment. But his inactivity is never his inability, right? God can still do miracles. Stacy and I are in our 40s. We're not going to say how old. We obviously don't have children. I'm still praying for that. I'm still trusting God for that. I'm not giving up. And even though it seems to the world medically would be impossible, and maybe even Stacy, you know, maybe it, it seems crazy to even pray for that. But there are times I'm still on my knees and I'm still praying for that. I'm still trusting God for that because I know that He is still able, even though apparently he's been inactive. When you pray for something for 20 years, man, you want to give up. You want to quit, right? You, you want to give up on that family member. You want to give up on that coworker. Sometimes you even want to give up on that son or daughter praying for him. It just seems like a waste of breath and a waste of time. Sometimes you want to quit praying for that miracle or that supernatural thing. I want to tell you, God is not inactive, and he has every ability and all power and everything to accomplish all that you're asking him to do. But sometimes it's not in our best interest or it's not in his plan. And we just have to trust his sovereignty. And that's tough. We hate that. Why? Because since the fall, we think of ourselves as mini-gods who deserve something from God. Right? I, I am owed this. Right? And even when we're praying things that seem according to God's will, he said to, the, he said to Adam and Eve, he said to Noah, go into the world, be fruitful, and multiply. We're trying to multiply. It just hasn't happened. All right? It seems in its accordance with God's will, but he is sovereign. He is sovereign, and we're going to trust in his sovereignty. Church, faith is trusting in the blessing, but also receiving, as Job, what seems like cursing right? It's not, though. It's for the strengthening, and it's for his glory. And he's not inactive, and it's not impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. But Abram's heir wouldn't be this guy. God was going to give him a son. 
God was going to give him a son. And as he gazed into the stars and he saw the expanse of the universe, I don't know if you've ever done that, but when you look into the, the sky, you know, there's something. I, I kind of hear Carl Sagan back here, you know, because I grew up watching those videos in school of Carl Sagan, you know, billions and billions of stars in the universe. That's a horrible Sagan, but I think of that. But I don't think of his Big Bang Theory. I think of God hanging every single one of those stars in exactly the right place and hanging this planet that is spinning like at an astronomical speed around the sun in the exact right place and aligning all of it perfectly. And I look at the expanse of our universe, the stars I can see, and knowing that there are many, many more out there, and you think about that, and he shows Abram and he says, this is how many your offspring will be, right? He's saying it's going to be uncountable. It's going to be unknowable, right, to Abram, the, his offspring. Of course, God knows, but for Abram looking up at the sky, all we can do is wonder. All we can do is stand in awe. And Abram believed him, and God credited it to him as righteousness. And you know what Abram did? He just put one foot in front of the other. This is so important, church, right? Abram just put one foot in front of the other and began walking in obedience and just said, fine, let's do this. And he started doing it. And that's church, that's what we need to do. We think we need some epiphany. We need some grand thing to happen in our lives before we start getting plugged in and involved, before we start becoming leaders in the church. That we, we, you know, we need a special calling or a special thing to happen in our lives before we start walking in obedience. You know, Abram heard from God, he believed, and he just started doing. That's what we need to do. Joel picked up a guitar. Greg picked up a guitar. They could do that. They picked it up. Some of you have picked up mantle of working in kids' church or uh, being a host or hostess or greeter or usher. Church, we all need to be involved in doing something, exercising our spiritual gifts. Everybody involved, everybody working together, and I'm encouraging you today to trust God and just start putting one foot in front of the other. Start walking in obedience, trusting Him. Demonstrate your faith by what you do. This always gets weird when you start talking about faith is what you do. Of course, we're not saved through our works. We don't believe that. We're saved through grace. But if we trust and believe in something, our actions are going to reflect that, right? If I really believe that if I touch the stove, I'm going to burn my hand, I'm not going to touch the stove, right? If I really believe that. If I believe God is making the way for me, I'm going to walk in obedience to his word, right? I'm going to trust in him. And I'm going to walk in obedience. I want to tell you something about God's faithfulness. It means that he's always going to keep his word. His promises are always going to be fulfilled. And when we keep our promises and we keep our word, we reflect God well. We image him well. When, you're, when you say yes to something, when you promise to do something, do it. Right? God keeps his promises and so should his people. We should keep our covenants our contracts and what we agree to do, even if it hurts us, even if it's unfair, we should do it. Point number three, God's people for his glory. God's people for his glory. I talked earlier about the mentality of, of, of Christians becoming Christians and then occupying a seat in a pew. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but he had a, an illustration of a thousands of people in the ocean, 
kicking and screaming for life. Jesus is in a boat, and he's rowing around this island, and he's picking people out of the, out of the ocean, and he's putting them in the boat, and he takes them to the island, and he puts them on the island. Now, Jesus goes back out, and he continues doing this, back and forth, back and forth. But the people on the island, they like island life, right? They put their feet up, and they take pictures, selfies of their toes, right, out looking the ocean. You guys know what I'm talking about. All of your friends are doing this every time they go to the beach. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Picture, pictures of their sandy toes looking out into the ocean, right? Like, I'm on vacation. What, what, right? And they're letting the whole world know that. And here's what people are doing. God, Jesus is saving them. He's putting them on the island, and that's what they're doing. They're building houses. They're getting really comfortable. All a while, there's people around this island drowning and dying. And church, this looks a little bit like us. Jesus saves us. He sets us free. We come into a relationship with Jesus. And, and what we do is instead of joining him and going out and rescuing people, we set up shop on the island. And we make this our new home, and we develop a culture, a safe culture around us. And we have our own music and our own comedians, and we have our own basketball leagues and all this. And we don't have to associate with those people drowning anymore. As a matter of fact, we figured out a lot of ways to muffle their screams. And we've desensitized ourselves to their cries. That's, that's never been the intention of the church. We're blessed to be a blessing. The Abraham, Abrahamic covenant... We are, we are the fruit of that covenant. Each one of us in Jesus Christ today are, are a descendant of Abraham. Each one of us today, through Jesus Christ, through that covenant, are one of those stars in the galaxy. And just like Abraham was best, blessed to be a blessing, we too are to be a blessing. We're not here for our own glory. We're here for his glory. We're here to serve him he told Abram in Genesis 17:4, "My covenant is to be with you and you shall be a father of mul- the multitude of nations." An everlasting covenant, he says in verse 7. Nothing has changed. God's we are blessed to be a blessing. We are his method for reaching the world. God uses men and women for reaching the world. And every week I talk about this, and some of you are probably sick of it, right? And I'm sorry for that, because for many years, somebody sold you half a gospel and said, you're just here to be blessed. You're just here to receive. You're just here. I I pray this service is a blessing to you. It's all about you and about you being blessed, but it's never about going out and being a blessing because that's not a very popular thing because that costs us resources and money and time and energy, and it's not super popular, but it's half a gospel. That's exactly what it is. And I, again, like I shared earlier, I'm not satisfied with half a gospel, and neither should you. And there is great reward, not cursing, in fulfilling our part of the deal and going out and being God's ambassadors. There's great blessing in that, in leading people to Jesus, in discipling them, in creating followers of Jesus who in turn go out and create new followers of Jesus. The measure of the success of a church is not if every chair is full, not if every growth group is full, not if the prayer meeting is full. The, the goal of the church is disciples making disciples, period. And for that to happen, you have to start looking at yourself as leaders, not constantly in a, on a perpetual learning curve. 
where I'm just, waiting, I'm just waiting for God to be happy enough with me that I could lead somebody else. I want to tell you, in Jesus, God is happy with you. He is happy with you. He is satisfied with you. You are saved unconditionally, saved by the blood of Jesus. And when he looks upon you, he sees not your, righteousness, your unrighteousness. He does not see your sin. He sees righteousness through Jesus. And he, he's not in love with some future version of you. Church, we have got to start seeing ourselves as disciplers as one day being called upon to invest in somebody else. And when we do that, we will start taking this thing that we're gathered here to do seriously. Because maybe this message isn't for you, right? Maybe, maybe Job's message wasn't for you. Maybe you're like, I got this. But have you ever thought for a second, God, maybe this may be a leadership academy. God may be training you and equipping you because you may come across somebody who needs to hear an encouragement from the word of Job, right? From Job's life. Has it ever occurred to you that every message may not be directly for you, but that you may be hearing it so you can be a blessing in somebody else's life? No, we don't think like that. Why? Because the Western church has conditioned us to be recipients, like we're pulling up to Wendy's, right? And I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and then that's it. Get your bag, and you go home, and you enjoy it. That's it. We've, the Western canon has kind of started teaching us this is the way it is. You're here to be blessed and receive and be encouraged, but is it possible that you're here to be a blessing, to be an encourager, to train someone else? I'm telling you, the way we thought about church for a long time needs to change, needs to shift. Blessed to be a blessing. I think it's awesome, though, that the work of the Holy Spirit continues in the believer's life through purposeful, sometimes painful experiences, we are growing. Growing more like Jesus. This is called sanctification. Through trials and triumphs, God is shaping our character into the image of Christ that we might better represent him on the earth. We better know him and represent him on the earth. And the more we put aside worldliness and we put aside the things in our world that would corrupt, the more we image God well, all right? That's also a difficult thing to hear, I know, because we want our cake and we want to eat it too. But are we willing to sacrifice what may be even very well our rights for the benefit of others and the long-term reward? Are we willing to do that? God marked Abram's changing life with a name change. He's no longer Abram, but now he'd be called Abraham. Father of multitude. You can go to the next slide. I'm not getting to the rest of that. As we read about the changing of Abraham, we can't lose sight of the bigger picture here. God's plan is to bring blessings to others through his blessings to us. He has changed us to be on mission with him. I often get asked, what does it mean to be Stuttgart Missional Community Church? What's that mean? We support missionaries? Yeah, it means that. But it means we live missionally. We live life on purpose. We see ourselves, we see ourselves as Christ's ambassadors. We see ourselves as Christ's ambassadors. That's what the name means. When we, under, when we took the new name Stuttgart Missional Church from Stuttgart Military Community Church, that was what we were originally known as, we thought this better fits who we are. You are part of God's big plan, his ongoing plan to bring redemption to the world. He's changed us to be on mission with him. 
And his bigger plan, his calling, is what gives context to our everyday monotony. It's what, makes, it's what gives hope to that everyday staff meeting and everyday PowerPoint presentation and everyday dealing with that same turd that works right next to you. It's that you understand you're there for a reason and for a purpose. And in that context, you can find joy, peace, and purpose in your life. Right? It may not always go well for you. It may not always be easy. But when you know you're on mission for God and you're there for a reason, you can find peace in that. The story of Abraham reminds us of God's unending faithfulness, his grace and his mercy to the morally deplorable us. <laughs> Not them, us. Nothing good in us except for Jesus. Church, it's through Jesus and through this covenant, through Jesus, that, that, that this promise is fulfilled. The Bible is intertwined, and it's all about Jesus. And we're going to discover that week after week after week after week. We're just going to see Jesus in all of it. That the, the ultimate promise to Abraham, the covenant, is fulfilled in Jesus. In Jesus. Children of Abraham in Jesus. Amen? Blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.